Several years ago, uh, as a youth pastor, I had the opportunity to take a group, uh, I know I've shared this with you guys before, up to Chicago to uh, an event called Sun Life, and uh, it was uh, specifically called SEMP, and we, uh, that whole week, were doing um, ministry training and learning about how to share our faith and going out and sharing our faith, and it was just an incredible, uh, incredible week, saw God move in lots of different ways, and uh, on the closing night, we were in uh, an auditorium much like this and a couple thousand students, and uh, it was uh, just an incredible night of, of worship. And then the speaker got up and uh, he said, we have seen the power of God this week. And with that, he said, we have seen the power of God this week. There was a, just a massive flash of light a huge roll of thunder. I mean, like, almost simultaneously, so you knew it was close. And then all the power in the place went out. And, uh, I mean, it was, we have seen the power of God. And everything went out. And, uh, and it, was, it was incredible. Um, everybody did not start freaking out. What, what happened was everybody started singing a cappella. And for two solid hours, we just worshiped God as the lights were out, and, uh, and I know there were people scrambling to get, uh, to get flashlights and to get uh, candles and all that kind of stuff, but it was incredible. It was one of, one of those moments in my life, and, uh, and some of the students that, that are still here at, at our church that are now grown up and, and married and have kids, um, this, I can, as I've talked to them, that's one of the most memorable things they have from those years. And the reason why we were there, there though, was be, because... We were wanting to glorify God in, in what we were doing as, as a church, what we were doing as a youth ministry, and we had been, there was a group of us that had been praying about, okay, God, what do you want us to do with the students for the summer? What, where do you want us to go? And we were praying about it, and then God revealed to us, SEMP is what I want you to go to, and so we were obedient to him and going, and as a result, God, in all that, orchestrating every step that we took, showed up in a powerful way and did something that only we can say, that was God. That, that was God showing up. And, and so as you think about your life, as you think about these Red Sea rules, as you think about the reality of everything you're going through, whether it's a, a hardship or a difficulty or, or a, a women's conference that you're going to or whatever it is, God has been orchestrating things in your life so that he can show up and reveal himself to you in a way that only he can do. And that, that's Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than you can ever ask or even imagine according to the spirit that's at work within you. God is the one that shows up and does that stuff and we walk away and go, wow, that was God. Now it may be something big like what I just described or it could be something very, very small and yet you realize that was God. That was God. And, and that, that's why we've been memorizing these, these passages. That's why we've been looking at these different scriptures. That's why we've been looking at Exodus chapter 14 and, and thinking about what is it that, that God wants us to learn from the, these folks in this chapter. But again, these verses. And, and so if you would say them with me, Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Luke 18, 27, Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. James 4, 7 and 8. 
submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. James 5.16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, do what it says. And then last week's verse, Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Remember that what God has shown you in the light, do not doubt it in the darkness. Do not doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. And as you memorize these verses, God will bring to your mind at the exact moment you need it, the verse that needs to be declared over your life through your mind. And he does that all the time. And that happens as you memorize scripture, as you put your faith and trust in him and you follow him through his word. So if you would, turn to Exodus chapter 14. (coughs) Exodus 14. And looking at the people of God as they are encountering some major difficulties in their life. Uh, some major uh, situations that have them in a place where they only can see God at work. Um, and, uh, and so God has shown up in his power to bring God glory. He's, he's talked about that. I'm going to glorify myself. I'm going I'm to allow the Israelites, I'm going to allow the Egyptians to see that I am Lord. <coughs> he has led them every step of the way and uh, allowing them to pray and to wait on him. God has told them what the he, what they want, what He wants them to do, uh, in order that they might obey Him. God has revealed His presence that they understand that they are never alone. Uh, again, what a beautiful promise that we are never alone. And so we pick up the story in, in verse twenty-one. <coughs> the people are about to to do what God has told them to do. So in verse twenty-one, Moses stretches out his hand over the sea. And the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry, made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. The people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. Think about that. Like, I don't know if you've ever like seen a, a, a lake dry up or a river dry up, and you go and, and just after it started to dry up, and you go and you sort of squish around in that. Um, it's not fun, like it's mud, right? So imagine this is dry ground, just as God said it would be dry ground. They're walking across. The people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. The waters being, again, picture this, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left You've never seen. Uh, there's a, a uh, animated version called "The Prince of Egypt," and uh, there's a scene. I wish we could play it for you legally, but we can't. There's a scene where they're walking through, and there's lightning, and there's a whale swimming in one of the walls of water. I was like, dude, can you? I mean, like, just picture that. You're walking dry ground through a sea, wall on your left, wall of water on your right, and 
wow. And they're walking through this. Notice verse 23, Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and a cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel. Check this out. For the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained, but the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Wow. God had already earlier said this is what was going to happen. This is what was going to happen. And now we see it happening. And so rule number eight is, is this, God will never fail you, he always keeps his word. I, I don't know if, if, I know that that's an important thing for you to hear, some of you maybe need to hear that more than others today, God will never fail you. Just like we talked last week, he is he is always with you. You are never, ever alone. God will never, ever, 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 ever fail you. God will not fail you. God always keeps his word. And, and just so that we understand some of that, Psalm 33, verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass, the grass, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And then here's the next memory verse. I gave you a short one. Luke 1 for no word from God will ever fail. God will never fail you. He always keeps his word. And if you have ever in your life felt like God has failed you, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell because that's Satan telling you that because there's no way that God failed you because if God failed you, then he is a liar and his word cannot be trusted because his word says he will never fail. His words will never fail. His word is flawless. And so if we believe God, if we trust God, if we look to God and we understand God's word is true, then when he says he will never fail, guess what? He will never fail. He is not going to fail you. He always keeps his word. 
And so that should be a, a beautiful comfort to us. That should also bring conviction to our hearts, just like the very fact that God, is, that God never leaves you. God never forsakes you. You are never alone. That should bring great comfort to us, but that should also bring great conviction. And so in our lives, we need to realize the beauty of that, that God always keeps his word. He never fails. Again, looking at Exodus chapter 14, in verse 16, God tells them exactly what he's going to do. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, divide it. The people of Israel may go through on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. This was before it happened. Then we read in verses 21 through 29, exactly what God said would happen, happens. We shouldn't be surprised. The people of God should not have been surprised. And yet, as they're walking through that, I imagine that as they're walking through that going, whoa, this is amazing. Like, do you think they ever thought God was going to part the sea in the way that he did, that there would be a wall of water on their left and a wall of water on their right, and that they would walk across on dry ground? Even though God said it, to actually see it, to, to see it is, is just, an, I mean, again, I, I can't even imagine being there and seeing this unfold. And yet God is keeping his word. He's not failing his people. God never will fail you. He always keeps his word. Here's, here's the problem, though. The problem isn't God. The problem is not God. The problem is us. The problem is, is that you and I, in our humanity, we struggle to trust God in the midst of whatever it is that he's got us going through. We, we, we struggle to trust God because what we do is the opposite of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Instead of trusting God with all our heart and leaning not on our own understanding, we want to lean on our own understanding and sort of trust God in the midst of that. And, and when it doesn't work out the way that we think it ought to work out or the way that we believe it should be working out because we're all knowing and we've got everything figured out, we get mad at God and, ask, and act like he's failed us. God has not failed you. He always keeps his word. God is not the one failing you. You are failing you. You're failing you because you, you have put on unrealistic expectations for whatever it is. You, you have created some fantasy going on in your mind, and you need to understand your ways are not God's ways. Your thoughts are not God's thoughts. And, and, and you need to come to, to grips with the fact of, am I really trusting God? Do I trust God? Do I really believe that God never will fail me? Do, do I believe that? Do I really trust that? Does God still deliver today? 
Does God still deliver from financial problems or marital problems or emotional confusion or harm or danger or self-destructive habits or disease? The answer to that is yes. God absolutely still delivers people from those things. But we must have a right perspective on deliverance. For he doesn't always view the things the way that we are viewing them. And that's tough. Because what we do is we, we defer to our emotional state. We defer to our, our assumptions. We allow assumptions to become facts when most of the time they're not. We, 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 we look at things and go, in human standards, this is the way this should be. I, even as I was reading about this, there are theologians who are trying to explain away the supernatural thing that's happening here with, well, it's possible that a, a wind came across from the east and blew the waters apart, and they naturally, by science, were able to figure out a way to cross the Red Sea. Baloney. God blew and it parted and the ground was dry. You don't need science to figure that out. That's a supernatural act of God. I don't need science to tell me that. That's a human standard. Science is a human made up thing that we think we've got it all figured out because we're scientists. Well, guess what? I love science, but guess what? We haven't even figured out what the appendix is for. I'm just saying. Have we, Micah? You're, you're in medical field. No, we don't know what it's for. We'll just take that bad boy out. We may take that bad boy out, and we may find out, oh, man, that was a really bad thing to do. Someday, I mean, you know, scientists tell us coffee's bad. And then the next scientist tells us coffee's good. And then another scientist says salt's bad. And then another one says salt's good. What is it? I, I don't know. Oh, let's just try to figure out how God did this through some natural means. God may have used natural means. A wind is natural. But listen, we have got to stop examining what's going on in relationship to our human standards. We, we, even, we even will throw things off and say that's not possible because that's not common sense. I don't know if you've read the Bible or not, but there's a whole lot of stories that are not common sense. I, and I've, I've highlighted many of them. Noah and the Ark, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Lion's Den with Daniel, uh, Joshua, marching around a city, really marching around a city, blow some horns, the walls are gonna fall down. That, that's common sense. A virgin giving birth to Jesus, that's common sense? No. No. What we need to do is we need to examine our lives according to biblical truth. What does God's word say about it? Why? Because God will never fail you. He always keeps his word. You want to know what you need to do? Get into the word of God and get to know God. Because here's the bottom line. You rarely will trust some, someone you don't really know. And maybe that's the problem. 
Maybe that's the issue is you really don't know God. Oh, you say you do. You show up to church Sundays, you watch online, whatever, and you say you know God, but the bottom line is maybe you really don't know God as well as you think you know God. And you rarely, think about it, any of us, practically speaking, we rarely will trust a stranger. I mean, we're even taught as little kids, stranger danger, stay away. But, but, but when God doesn't act like we want him to, when God doesn't do what we want him to, we think somehow he's failed us. Isaiah 58, or 55, sorry, 8 through 11, listen to this. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as, he- are, for as high as the heavens are than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or void, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Thus saith God. See, I think the problem is that we really don't know God. And the answer to trusting God is get to know God. Get in his word. Get on your knees. Seek after him. Tell others about him. And the more that you seek after him, the less of a stranger that he is and the more of a father and friend and Lord and King that you begin to realize God is in your life. And the more you trust him in the midst of certain things or uncertain things, whatever it is, God will never fail you. He always keeps his word. So question you need to ask yourself is, what am I doing to know God? What am I doing to know God? As I was thinking about that, I couldn't help but go uh, pictures in my mind of our kids. And some of you may experience some of the same thing with yours, grandkids, whatever. They're on the edge of a bed, and you're standing there saying, jump to me. And they just take steps back and they run and they jump into your arms. Take the same scenario, go to a pool. They're standing on the side of a pool. You're down in the water looking up at them going, jump to me. Now, some of y'all's kids are probably, you know, daredevils and they do it anyway, whatever. But most of them that, that I've encountered, at least my five, didn't do that. I'm down there in the water saying, jump to me. Same guy who's in the bedroom saying, jump to me, is in the pool saying, jump to me. What changed? What, what changed? Not, not me. The circumstances changed. They, they had full confidence in me in, in off, jumping off the bed, but jumping off a edge of a pool to me in the water, they're like going, oh. 
I'm not sure about that. Okay, that's, those were, that was a three-year-old, by the way. Just kidding, I don't know. I mean, think about that. What changed? Not the, the circumstances changed. The, I, I remain the same. But the, isn't that exactly what God wants is that when the circumstances are alive, change, he still wants us to jump into his arms and trust him. To jump into his arms and say, no matter what circumstances are going on in my life, I'm going to jump into your arms and trust you, God, that you are in control and that you will never fail me and that your word is something that you will always keep. Again, I, I don't know what situations you're facing, but the reality is, are you trusting God in the midst of those? If you are not, then my friend, what you need to do, practical application here, what you need to do is you need to get to know God. Because you're not trusting him is a symptom of a problem that you have, and it's that you don't know God. And so if you want to deal with the underlying issue, then you must do what needs to be done, and that is get to know God. How do you do that? His word. Get into his word. Number one, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can get into his word all you want. This thing will never make sense to you. You need to have a relationship with Jesus. Why? Because when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives inside your heart, and then he starts helping you understand what does God's word say. <coughs> and then you grow in your faith. Listen, I asked you earlier to pray and ask God, God, speak to my heart. Follow-up question, what did God speak to you about today? What is he telling you to do? What is he telling you he wants you to do? What is he laying on your heart? What is he convicting you about? And then would you take it a step further? Would you ask God to lead you to share it with somebody this week? It's so important. Share it with somebody this week. Why? Because you are called on mission to go and make disciples. Making disciples is something that we do as we do life together with people and we just share with them what God has done in our life. And we just share with them about that. And so you share with somebody that not only what happens is when you start to share different things, that God cements that in your heart and it becomes more and more real to you. And, by the way, he becomes more and more real to you. You want to get to know him, share him with other people. If you need some practice on that, feel free to share it with me. My number is up on the wall. I will be traveling this week, um, so if I call you and I'm in my car and it sounds like I'm driving down the highway, it's because I am. <laughs> Just saying. He's going 14, 15 hours away, so um, in the opposite direction of our other son who's up in International Falls, Minnesota, which is crazy, but whatever. Um, I'm glad he's following God. So let's pray. Would you guys just close your eyes by your head? God, thanks. Thanks that you did everything possible for us to be able to know you. You sent your son, Jesus. You gave us your word. You give us opportunities like this.
there's so many things that you do to help us know you. Would you help us to know you? Would you help us to draw closer to you? Would you help us to put our faith and trust in you? And if there's somebody here today, they don't know Jesus, I pray that right now, this moment, they would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. For those that say they know Jesus, then God, help us to daily, moment by moment, get to know you. God, thank, thank you that... Thank you that your expectation isn't that we're going to be on our knees in prayer 24-7, that we're going to be opening the Word of God, reading it 24-7. That's not, that's just ridiculous. But the beauty, the beauty of a relationship with you is, is that as we read your Word, as we get on our knees in prayer, you allow even those short moments to impact our life for the entire day. So God, help us to not take for granted spending time with you. Thank you that you did everything possible for us to know you. Would you help us to do everything possible to know you on our end? Give us the desire to know you so that we can trust you. God, thank you that you'll never fail us, that you always keep your word. We give you praise in Jesus' name.